Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It is a Wednesday edition, kind of a different Wednesday edition, of Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. You've got the Mac and Mac guys to at least start the show. Good to have John McMullen by my side here again today. But Johnny Mac, you're going to take an exit stage left in the early proceeding of today's show, correct? Yeah, uh, Nick Sirianni, because it's, uh, you know, it's a short week, he's going to do his pregame, pre-press conference. So it's Friday press conference uh, this morning at 8.30, of course. Um, So Warrior Wednesday turns into Pocus Friday. Uh, We're really on a Friday on a Wednesday, if that makes sense, Jody. Uh, My head's swimming, so you can imagine what happens during an NFL week. But, yeah, everything is upheaved upheaval it is uh turned on its head and uh you just do the best you can i was talking to bruce arians about this yesterday obviously bruce is a veteran coach um has been doing this for a long time said the same thing but i did get one player to say he likes thursday night games jason kelsey likes thursday night games more because he hates practice and he'd just rather be out there and playing but it was interesting to finally get somebody to say, yeah, I like it. I like it. That was surprising. So, oh, I, lo- I think he said, I love short weeks. Uh, yeah. And he explained why. He wants to start off. <laughs> no practices. And God bless Jason Kelsey. And he's great. And he never gets hurt. He plays every single game. And he's Pro Bowl level. Shoot, he might be Hall of Fame level. But it, he didn't exactly put forth a ringing endorsement of practice. Yeah, don't have to practice. That's good by me. <laughs> And, and then the back end made much more sense that you've almost got like a mini buy afterwards. That when yeah. you play on a Thursday night, there certainly is some downside immediately thereafter because you don't play till the following Sunday. And most teams, and I can guarantee you, even though this is a new Eagle administration, new coaching staff, new way of doing things, oh, the Eagles will give their players downtime. Why? Because they always give their players downtime. Well, you have to. It's now collectively bargained. So it's in the CBA. They have to. It's not even It's not even up to them. Every team has to. And that's one of the reasons why Jason's like, you know, Jason's great. Every once in a while, he'll, uh, I don't, he always tells the truth. So, but every once in a while, he'll let you in and say, you know, he's talking about young players last year. I remember one of his great quotes, you know, I'm li- I'm listening to Jeff Stoutland install the same blocking scheme for the thousandth time. I mean, the guy, the guy is, he's not the Tom Brady of centers, but he's in that range. He's seen it all. He's done it all. We talked about this in training camp. Guys like that don't need training camp as much as young players. They certainly don't need practice as much as young players. And yeah, he, you know, you didn't go the Allen Iverson route, but essentially he said the same thing. Practice, you know, let's get to the games. He did uh, make at least me laugh. Sounds like he made you laugh yesterday. But he had one really good answer to one really good question that he gave credit to the person who asked it. And if I could remember what it was, 
you can't tell. I'd just be guessing as per voices. Maybe you remember exactly what it was. Um, asked about players playing up to their potential. That there have been guys that Jason played with, and now it's a lot with all the years that he flogged here with the Eagles. Some who lived up and surpassed their potential coming in, and others who never quite reached their potential coming in. And he was asked, how, how do you ferret that out? How do you understand? How do you realize maybe after the fact why someone would overachieve, why someone would underachieve? And he gave a great answer. He said, it really comes down to self-evaluation. That if you know what you need to do after the fact, that's going to allow you to become the best player that you can. That if you do diligent work, both at practice and watching the film thereafter, and see when you get something wrong, all right, here's why I have to improve, here's why I have to correct, here's why I have to do something different, that's only going to make you better. And or someone who's overly critical of themselves, who's going to say that they have to uh, uh, analyze every single step that they make, that they might do too much thinking, that it's the person who really understands themselves and what their capabilities are and will work to correct them when there are shortcomings are the people who achieve the most. That was a really thoughtful <clears throat> answer he gave yesterday. Yeah, well, yeah, I agree. I mean, Jason always gives, Jason's the best. He always gives thoughtful answers. Uh, you know, he's, I, I think he's one of, because of the position he plays, he's one of those guys that probably doesn't get the credit he fully deserves as being an all-time Philadelphia sports legend. And then you put the off-the-field stuff on top of it. He, he is such a thoughtful guy. Um, he's willing to communicate. He's willing to essentially talk to the fans, explain things. All of that is great. And he brings it up. I mean, everybody's got potential. Um, Jason's a perfect example of that as a six-round pick. Everybody who gets drafted in the NFL has got potential. They're the top, you know, 1% of, you know, college football players. So, you know, what sets the guys who turn the corner apart from guys who don't? And, you know, think about coaches talking about it all the time. Self-scout, self-scout. You got to self-scout yourself. Same thing with players. You got to be, you got to be honest with yourself. You got to say, I hate to bring them up, but it's too easy. If you're Ben Simmons, you got to say, I got to work on this. I got to work on my three-point shooter. I got to work on this part of my game, and I got a chance. And by the way, he's on a different level. He could be a superstar. Won't won't do it. Won't self-scout himself. Has people around him who tell him he's great, doesn't need to change anything. And you see what happens. You don't reach your potential. You have other players. I think, you know, football-wise, probably the most notable would be Jerry Rice. Um, you know, there were a lot of receivers that had more physical gifts than Jerry Rice. I mean, he still was top tier. He still uh, was was obviously really, really talented, but he wasn't the 4-4 guy. Um, he, he worked harder than anybody else. All anybody ever talked about with Jerry Rice is his work ethic. Same thing with, with Michael Jordan. So when you have great talent and you match it with great work ethic you you turn into you that's where you get your really superstar players then when you go lower down the totem pole less talent less talent less talent you know the guys who really self-scout and do things and and are honest with themselves and prove um and they get better and the guys who don't you know kind of waste away uh, another guy who you guys had a chance to talk uh, to yesterday 
a couple of the coaches, players and coaches yesterday. Uh, but your boy, JG, Jonathan Gannon, uh, was one who uh, spent some time uh, talking to the Eagle Beat guys. And he did explain what he meant by, yeah, we don't have a scheme last week, which he even admitted. That yeah, I explained me. it for him last week, and now he did it. Good, uh, he, good for you, JG. He did, and uh, it certainly – maybe I understood it better coming from him than you, but <laughs> it, it just – it came off to me as if all he wants to say is we want to be fluid. We don't want to be pigeonholed. We don't want to be a specific team that we're going to do this every single snap, every single game. No. We play different teams who have different strengths and different type of players. And I want our defense to be flexible enough that we can do what we think we're capable of doing, but is best suited to stop the other team and their players and what they're going to try and do. That made a lot of sense the way that he explained it when he said the week before. Why did it make we don't sense have it. When I explained it, Jody, now I'm taking it to heart. I, I, I When you said it, it went right over my head. When Gannon said it, yes, I said, okay, I see what he's what he means. Well, it's his defense, so maybe that's better. But, you know, I I do think it's common sense, and I think more coaches should be that way. Unfortunately, there's too many scheme-oriented coaches. I always bring up that quote, if you're hiring a scheme, you're doing it wrong. Because, you know, when he brought up Tom Brady, if you want to run this type of West Coast offense with Tom Brady, if you want to run an RPO offense with Tom Brady, well, you're dumb. You know, I mean, if that's – you're not you're not making the best out of your talent defensively you know i get a kick out of it the way the he got a lot of you know what for the game against kansas city because they didn't execute i've said it from the start the plan was sound buffalo used the same stinking plan they played the same defense they played cover two all day that's what everybody does against kansas city because they're trying to limit the big plays uh, with Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and they executed it. And there were mistakes along the way. You force them to go to the length of the field. It makes perfect, perfect sense. But when you don't succeed, obviously, you know, you're. I, I, I say this all the time. You're probably sick of hearing me say this, Jody. When we talk about play calling, people don't judge play calling. They judge results. Sure. People don't judge schemes. They judge results. He had a great plan, the proper plan against the Chiefs. The results weren't there, so he got killed for it. Simple as that. Right. And this past week against uh, uh, the Panthers, because his secondary came up with three picks, his scheme looked brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant, Jonathan. Get well, it was good. It was solid. But his players made plays. And a lot of time, it comes down to that. Um, you went there with scheme and RPOs and Brady's not going to be an RPO quarterback. That's very true. Here's the question I have for you. And I apologize if I asked you this at the end of last week or on Monday of this week. I don't think I, I, you and I got into it specifically. We understand the Eagles are an RPO team. And it makes a lot of sense that they are because <laughs> their quarterback gives you the ability to add a wrinkle with the RPO. Not only is he deciding to put it in the running back's belly or pull it back and then be able to throw it. There's the third option of, oh, he's going to take off and run with it. And we know that he's got the capabilities of turning uh, what could look like three or four yard runs into 10 or 15 yard runs because he's that fast. Um, but because of that, it seems that the Eagles amount of runs per game is significantly down. Miles Sanders 
looks like a below average back at this stage. And I don't believe that Miles <laughs> Sanders is a below average back. Kenny Gainwell is producing, but he's doing more so out of the passing game than out of the running game. The Eagles' leading rusher is, not surprisingly, Jalen Hurts. And I'm sorry, that's not a good thing. I know that Baltimore wins and they've got uh, Lamar, but he's a different bird than everybody else in this league, including Jalen Hurts. Here's my question. Are the Eagles overdoing the RPO aspect of their team? I get it that they have to do it. If they want to get the most out of Jalen Hurts, you're, you're, you start defining your system by what can my quarterback do and not do? What is he good at? What is he different at? What he can do that no one else can do? I understand all of that thinking. And that's what Nick Sirianni is employing and Shane Steichen on the offense. But have they tilted too much? Have they become too much of an RPO team because of Jalen Hurts, is that a mistake? I think so, but for different reasons. I think this is the chicken in the egg sentiment. Are you trying to win the game or are you trying to evaluate the quarterback? I think if you're just trying to win the game, they're doing the right thing by being very highly RPO driven. If you're trying to evaluate the quarterback long term, I think they're doing the wrong thing. Um, what do you want? I'm, I'm, I, I would think the Eagles would want more of the latter. Um, I would think Nick Sirianni, and this is the disconnect between coaching and the general manager and the front office at times, when you're at a transition phase, rebuilding phase, whatever you want to call it, he's trying to win games. He's trying to win games and he's trying to do the best to win games. And I think that's the way he should go about it. Uh, Howie Roseman's got a different job, and I think he should be prodding Nick Sirianni to say, look, we got to know if this kid is where we're going to go long term. Uh, so I think it's difficult. You're trying to serve two masters. And the bottom line is the coach gets into the, the grind of the season, and all that matters is beating the next team. And that's where he is, and that's what he's doing. And he's going to try to take advantage of – Jalen hurts his strengths. He's going to try to mask his deficiencies. And I don't know if that's the best thing long-term. It's obviously the best thing short-term. Or is it? And you gave me a good answer, but you didn't directly answer my question. Yeah, but I think it is short-term. I think it is. I, I, I don't think he's capable of doing a lot of the things people want to see him do. And I think it will get ugly at times if people think that's the way they want to go. In other words, you know, I brought this up a couple times. I, I always go back to that Penn State-Ohio State game with Trace McSorley. They had a fourth down, and Penn State fans went nuts because they ran an RPO. And I'm like, what do you want them to do? They practice RPOs. They're an RPO offense. They do it all week. And then at the very last moment, in the biggest spot of the game, you want them to do something they don't practice. It doesn't make sense. If, in other words, you can't turn into Bill Walsh because you like Bill Walsh on, on video or YouTube. Bill Walsh and the 49ers practiced those plays all week, all year, all training camp to execute those plays. You can't just go, oh, 
I remember what Bill Walsh did in so-and-so season. Let's pull this out at the biggest moment. My players have never seen it before. That's uh, what they are. That's They're an RPO offense because of the quarterback, and that's what they're going to run. And you know, but you're his, a big college right, football. Johnny, Real right quick, question. Jody, just one last thing. You're a big college football fan, so yeah. you know. When RPO offenses are not running well, it can get really, really ugly. It's not aesthetically pleasing football. But when it works, it's successful. Sorry. That's okay. No. Um, and I'll use your answer to further my question. The, the Penn State play that you refer, I do remember that. Um, and probably the unfair criticism thereof. Nobody runs RPOs 100% of the time. Is that accurate? No, that's, R- that's the, the most RPO-driven team in college football or the pros don't run an RPO every single play, do they? No, but remember, it's more than one play, which is always which drives people nuts. You have an option. That's it's built in. Right. It's if you have an option to kill. You know that's what happened to the Eagles at fourth and three. You know Shane Steichen has been, ex, explained we had a kill in that. They got the play in too late. Uh, against Kansas City, if you remember. They had to call the timeout. Then they came out on the field and kicked the field goal, which they thought they got a delay game penalty, some convoluted explanation. But anyway, uh, you're right. You don't have to run it. I'm saying, but that's their identity. That's what they feel like they do best. You have an option to run or throw on the same play with a a movement-based quarterback. That's why you put the offense in there in the first place, to have that option. And obviously it didn't work. If it works, everything's copacetic. Everything comes down to execution. We get back to the prior conversation. Right. But here's, uh, when it here's, doesn't work, it's ugly. Here's my point slash question. It's a percentage, right? It's not 100%. They don't run an RPO on every single play. They don't run one a game. So no, it's somewhere there in close. the middle. And the percentage changes down, distance, score, everything else. My perception is... They're running it too often. They need to scale back on a little bit. There's no rule against just dropping in under center and then handing the ball to Miles Sanders. In my estimation, they're not doing enough of that. And I don't know if it's because the coach firmly believes that every RPO they run is the best potential play they run. I don't know if that's uh, his uh, guidance as of right now coming from above. You think it's the exact opposite. He's flying in the face of what they'd like to tell him from above. No, we need to see more of Jalen Hurts so we can make a long-term decision. Whatever it is, I think there's imbalance right now in Eagle offense. Well, and I, I, over I, by the way, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. But I, I've told Eagles fans all week, this is the week you should press pause. And you're going to have uh, a guest on from Tampa uh, while I break off to get to the Nick Sirianni press conference. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have led – the league in rush defense in 2019, 2020, and this year they're giving up less than 50 yards a game on the ground. And B2B is in the middle of that line. And the Eagles ain't running the football unless it's Jalen Hurts running the football. So this is not the week. I hear what you're saying, but we should press pause on this conversation until after Thursday and then get back to it. Because this is not the week you want to be going between the tackles. 
And a quickie question for you. And you're right. We're going to have uh, J.C. Allen scheduled to join us from Pewter Report, covers the Bucks on a day-in, day-out basis. I was surely going to get to this with him, that they are the number one defense against the, the run yards allowed per game. They're last in the NFL against the pass. Yeah. yeah. Well, back to the phrase you used earlier, chicken and egg. Well, which is it? That They're the best run defense because everybody looks at them and goes, well, we can pass the ball against them, so therefore they do, and therefore they have success, so therefore you're going to be very good against the run. Or is it because their run defense is so good, you go, oh, man, we can't run the ball against them, so we better try and usually, pass Usually, Jody, chicken and the eggs are causality dilemmas. That's why you say it, because you don't know the answer. In this case, it's not because you know the answer. It's the egg. People can't run against them, so they throw it. They're behind a lot. So the yardage gets skewed. Now, they're also injured, so that's part of it as well. It has been easier to throw the football. But you cannot run the football against this team. They're the first team since the Williams wall, if you remember Kevin Williams and Pat Williams, who did it for three straight years, I think 2006 to 2008. As I said, 2019-2020, now they're leading by far in 2021. They're on pace to lead the league in rushing defense for three seasons. That's not a short sample size. And by the way, it's basically right when Vita Via showed up. Yeah. That's basically, you know, that was like, okay, we're not going to do this. That's they it, it's if the Eagles run the football against Tampa Bay, not Jalen Hurts, that's different. Because I think he'll get out, he'll make some plays. He always does. If they run the football in a conventional fashion, that will be the biggest surprise of the NFL season. Well, I agree with you uh, that it is a weak dead pause for what we may want the Eagles to do and getting that imbalance a little corrected and struck better and run the ball more. Yeah, understood. Opponent says, not this week, move on to the next week. But I will ask Harry Roseman tonight at pause because we will see this week a team with playmaking linebackers that can play defense and stop the run and make another team dictate terms on a play calling you know, and the like. Because Levante got, David's not going to play, so big break for the Eagles. Is a break, but they're still good enough that I think their linebackers will dictate play. And I just hope Howie Roseman takes note of it. Perchance, maybe notices that having playmaking linebackers can be advantageous. Yeah, that, that's not a bad thing to have. That's exactly. not a bad thing. All right, so you're dropping off to go uh, listen to the head coach speak, huh? I am. Nick Sirianni, press conference, and I'll be back. You can't get rid of me that uh, that easily, We'll Jerry. Get, rid of, get rid of you for 20, 25 minutes, uh, but then, yes, we'll be glad to have Enjoy back. it. Enjoy <laughs> the respite. <laughs> I will, but I will not enjoy it as much if we don't get uh, JC uh, up here. No, uh, he's going to be up. I already uh, chatted with him, okay. so he'll be up. J.C. Allen is going to join us coming up next. He uh, covers the Bucks for PewterReport.com, good Bucks website. Uh, we'll kind of dive deep dive into the opponent this week. Pretty darn good. The defending Super Bowl champion, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, coming to town tomorrow night. So, uh, John McGone's going to jump off here with the coach has to say, and we'll pick John's brain when he comes back about did Nick Sirianni tell us anything worth noting, or did he tap dance, which you often do in your right before the game press conference. But we'll see uh, whether uh, coach has any insight for us. John McMullen's going to come back with us later here on Birds 365. J.C. Allen, Pewter Report, to join us next. Stick around. 
comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. 
The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Bird 365 here on the Ticket Media YouTube channel. Uh, Jody Mack here. John uh, McMullen jumped off. Nick Sirianni is having his uh, last day availability before a game, which is weird on a Wednesday, but they're playing a Thursday game. So that's why it screws everybody's schedule up. We might have screwed up uh, JT Allen from Pewter Report, who was supposed to join us. He has yet to do so. So instead of JC, we got JK. Joe Krause, the big boss here at Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, Krause, thanks for hopping in. Do you sleep in that hat? It's right next to the bed, Jody. You only have two two shots to catch me without one of the Kango hats. That's at night or in church. Other than that, no shot. Good job. Uh, that is funny. Um, thanks for jumping in here. No, by the and, way, if JT jump if JT jumps on board, I'm uh, I'm good. Or JC jumps on board, I'm good to bail out as well. Okay. Well, I think we see his uh, smiling face right there, and he did it without a Kanga hat. So uh, we'll give him credit for that. <laughs> JC, right. nice to jump in for you, brother. I'm stand. I'm always on standby, brother. Uh, not a problem. I was, you know, a little snafu early in the morning. It happens. How's everyone doing though? Oh, not a problem. Stuff. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, Krause's going to get out of here. Uh, JC, Jody McDonald here. Thank you very much for the hopping on board. Looks like a nice day down there in Tampa. Is that correct? It's always a nice day. Nice and sunny. Palm trees. I almost did this by the pool, but I was like, I don't want to rub it in their face too much. Yeah, I figured as much. Thank you very much. Um, since I went there, uh, we'll just follow up. It's actually, I guess you would consider it a plus for Tampa because certainly a warm weather team down there in Florida. Got to go on the road, Philadelphia up here in the Northeast. If this game was in January, it might not be the same exact thing. They're going to be playing in 60 degree weather tomorrow night here in Philadelphia. So a potential advantage of the Eagles with the weather goes by the wayside here. That's good for the Bucks, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a team that practices in 90-degree heat with humidity. So uh, I'm sure they welcome the 60-degree weather, the 70-degree weather games. they got to go up to New York later in the season to play the Jets in December. That's a game they're probably not looking forward to. But uh, th- there's no such thing as fall down here, really. It just jumps right into uh, into from summer to light summer to, you know, it's spring, I guess, if you want to call it that. But, yeah, so I think uh, the weather should definitely, you know, work in their favor. Um, not in their favor, but at least be an equalizer for both teams. Yeah, and a, a trip to New York, depending on when in the season you're talking about, can be uh, difficult. But 
if you're playing either the Jets or the Giants, it's not really all that difficult because neither one of those teams are very good right now, but I digress. Um, before we talk about the matchup between these two teams, give me as best you know at the updated injury report for the Bucks. Gronk did not practice again. I guess the coach said highly unlikely he's going to play. Uh, you've got some questions with your key defensive players in the defensive secondary and at linebacker. Give us uh, the updated injury report on the Bucks coming into this game. Yeah, so it looks like Gronk is going to be ruled out. JPP will probably play again this week, with, even though he's got a club on his hand. Same with Giovanni Bernard, who played last week. Uh, those guys are a little banged up. It looks like Ryan Jensen was banged up earlier in the week, uh, practiced yesterday uh, with a hip injury. So he looks like he's probably going to be good to go. Obviously, Sean Murphy, Bunting, and Carlton Davis are both still on IR, so they will not play in this game. So secondary is still a question mark. Antoine Winfield on the concussion protocol. We're not quite sure if he's going to be able to come in and play or not. Um, that's going to be remain to be seen, I guess, on uh, game time decision probably. Um, but they're preparing to have not have him. So if he plays, it's just an extra extra bonus. But you know, I think we watched this secondary. They kind of came alive a little bit last week. You're asking a guy like Richard Sherman, who is a veteran but doesn't have his football legs underneath him, to come in after six week, uh, six practices only and some install to, to be your number two cornerback. And Jamel Dean really stepped it up after being injured. So, you know, all in all, I, I think this team has the pieces to get it done, even with all the injuries they're suffering. How uh, the, the Bucks defense has been phenomenal against the run this year, and I credit that uh, to their linebacker play as much as anything else. But they've got some injury questions along that linebacker line. Um, is Levante David going to play? Um, what's the latest on him? How are the other linebackers as far as uh, capabilities go at this stage? That's the biggest question is Levante David, I guess. Uh, you know, it's going to be – I don't think he plays this week. I think on a short week they kind of rest him. They have that extended – uh, days off, 10 days off after the game. So kind of like a mini buy. Maybe we see him uh, suit up for the next game uh, the following week uh, against the Bears. But I'm not – I don't think he goes this week. Just – an ankle sprain is, is a tricky injury because it affects players in different ways. So um, as for him, I think he's going to be out. Kevin Minter is going to step up. He's not quite as good in coverage um, as Levante David, who's probably one of the best coverage linebackers we've seen in the last 10 years. Uh, he can get the job done. They have a guy in Devin White who's who's rangy and, and long enough to be able to, with his speed to be able to make up for some of Minter's deficiencies. And it comes down to game planning and scheming, right? Uh, you've got, you know, um, tight. Well, you just lost Dallas Goddard, uh, which is which is a big loss for the Eagles. But you still have some running backs that can catch out of the backfield, and you still have a guy like Jalen Hurts who can move with the ball in his hand. So uh, if you're one of those linebackers, it's still you know a big responsibility uh, to to make sure you're containing and, and doing a good job in coverage. And we do not know 100% that Dallas Goddard's not going to be able to go. Uh, he tested yeah. positive, but he is vaccinated. So if he can go uh, 48 straight hours, and they did get the report in yesterday, and get two negative tests, there is the outside possibility that he could play on Thursday. But it's doubtful that he plays. Um, so you're right there. Um I just gave the linebackers the credit for the fact that the Bucs are the number one team against the run so far this year. And they were last year. And they were the year before. <laughs> but maybe the, the key guy for it all is Vita Vade on the middle of that defensive line as the anchor to their defensive line. Did I overstate the importance of the linebackers? Did I not give Vita Vade enough credit? 
give me your estimation as to why the Bucks have been the number one team against the run for years now. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Vita Vea never gets enough credit. I, you can give him all the praise. You We can make this whole podcast about Rita Vea, and he still won't get enough credit. He's just a man amongst men. His speed, his size, his strength, his ability to just manhandle people is a big part of why they have a number one run defense. It also, you know, he missed a lot of games last year. He went out week five against the Bears and didn't come back until the NFC Championship game against Green Bay, and they still maintain that number one rush defense. So it's got a lot to do with scheme, too. Um, A lot of things they do scheme-wise. You've got a great outside linebacker who can set the edge. You got the inside linebackers who can make plays all over the field. And then you got guys like the lunch pail guys, like Will Golston, who just comes to work, shows up, and, and does his thing. Who's gotten a lot better this year as well in in, in uh, pressuring the quarterbacks. Got two sacks on him. And, and I mean, Nadam Kasu, I mean, let's not forget about him. I think he's uh, he's another guy here who's contributed to that as well. So I think the front seven as a whole, I don't think you can really just point out a single player or a single, um, you know, positional group i think they just work so well together and even jordan whitehead coming up and run support the line the cornerbacks do a great job and run support so i just think the defense as a whole the scheme they play the bowls has them so disciplined against the run that you're seeing teams abandon it altogether. i mean teams aren't running on the bucks and it's part of the reason why they have such uh bad numbers on defense with the pat with the pass defense jc uh before we get more into the matchups I want to take you back to the offseason. Uh, Bucks win the Super Bowl. Uh, they almost saw the Super Bowl trophy in the drink down there in Tampa. The party went on. And then they had to get to the work of the offseason, and they had a lot of free agents. There was yeah. a chance that the Bucks could have taken significant hits in free agency. Oh. They really didn't. Uh, a, very good cap management, uh, good sales job by their general manager, good sales job by their coach, and good sales job by their quarterback. Yes. They were pretty much able to keep the band together with all the contributors that they had to last year's championship team. How do you break down the credit for that? That a team that could have really been hampered by free agency didn't take many hits at all. Who gets the credit for that? I think you got to look to the front office. I mean, uh, Jacqueline Davidson, Mike Greenberg, and Jason Light, and Spy Tech as well to an extent. Uh, these are guys who – you know, realize the difficult situation with the salary cap, what what it was going to look like this season, knowing that it's going to go up eventually because of the TV deals they're going to kick in and, and utilize something uh, that most te- some teams utilize as well, but they utilize it the most out of anyone in the league this offseason, and that was the void years. And they said, hey, we can bring this team back. We're going to have to heavily utilize void years. But they're also in a great position, and that goes gives them even more credit because – Coming into this offseason, they had the third most cap space out of any team going into next year. So it allowed them to really be able to push some of those dollars down the line where they're not going to saints themselves and, you know, be upside down in the cap. But they, they've given them some flexibility to be able to bring everybody back, add a few few pieces as well, do some restructures recently with Evans and Marpet to further allow them to bring in players that can help them, a la Richard Sherman. Um but, I mean, the front office has to get a majority of that credit. Now, obviously, the guys, I'm, I'm sure we're all talking, hey, we want to run this back, run this back. But at the end of the day, it's dollars and cents, right? And who's got to figure that out? That's the front office. So I, I give it to Jason Light. And I just – I seriously don't think he gets enough credit for what he's built down here. If you look at this team, most – I mean, pre-Tom uh, Brady, Gronk, I mean, most of this team was built through the draft, built through well-executed trades, uh, really good free agent off, uh, signings. 
yeah, he's had some clunkers. I mean, he drafted a kicker in the second round. Uh, you know, Jameis Winston, no, you know, his hands were tied there with that number one pick. And, you know, given the circumstances, Jameis Winston's a starter for the Saints. Marcus Mariota's backing up Derek Carr. So, um, you know, those are his choices. So, I mean, but he's really rebounded the last few years and put some dominant pieces in place for this Buccaneers team, not just for now on a Super Bowl run, but also for the future. Let me ask you about one of those guys you mentioned, the guy that he had to come out, go out and be able to get. And they had a cap room available to them despite re-signing all their players. So he's done a really good job at managing and juggling the cap. Richard Sherman, tremendously yep. well-known for his Seattle days, uh, part of the Legion of Boom, pretty good the last couple of years for the 49ers, getting older, not the player he once was, but is he still viable? Got thrown into the deep end of the pool last week, uh, coming off the street and having to jump right in and play. How did he grade out? As the coaching staff said that it's going to get better, will get better. We just think we need him to get him up to speed. Uh, what is Rich, Where is Richard Sermon at right now in this Tampa defense? He's improving. I mean, he's the number two guy right now. Um, he's the guy who played, came, like you said, thrown off the street, three practices and a walkthrough and played 58 of 59 snaps on defense against the New England Patriots. Yeah, they picked on him a little bit, tied for the lead team in tackles. Um, but, you know, that's a, that's a good part of having a veteran, right? They, he knows what to do. He's been in all these situations. Um, he's been in situations against Bill Belichick quite a few times. Um, so he, he knows what to do. And then you fast forward to this past week, uh, he was the starter on the outside, Jamel Dean on, on the other side. And, you know, st- he's still got some work to do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, football legs are a big thing. You know, he's going from playing in Seattle and San Francisco to coming down here. And okay. Now, not only do you need to get your football, you got to get your conditioning under you because it's hot down here. I mean, it, it may look beautiful, but it's already starting to get up there. I mean, um, so it, it's, it's, you know, he doesn't need to learn the whole playbook either. It's more game plan specific that he's, that he needs to learn. Um, so he'll dive into the playbook when he has time, but week to week, he's playing catch up this whole time and learning, you know, communicating with the guys and learning the best he can about what he needs to do, where he needs to be in certain situations. And, you know, I think he'll get better, but by the time he gets better, I think Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting might be back. So at that point, you know, it's going to be interesting to see that rotation because you've got guys, you really only have two slot guys on the roster right now. And that's Sean Murphy Bunting who can play inside and outside. And that's uh, Ross Cockrell. So that's not Jamel Dean's specialty. It's not Richard Sherman's specialty. Carlton Davis can do it, but it's not his specialty. Put him on the one, number one wide receiver and say, you know, do your job all game. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Richard Sherman when everyone comes back. If he maintains that spot, if he's a rotational guy, what they do with them. But, you know, just like any player coming in to a new team, to a different environment, you know, early in the season after it's already started, no training camp, warm weather climate, he's got some uh, conditioning and he's got some, uh, you know, learning to do. But I think I think generally we've been pretty happy with what we've seen so far. One more uh, defensive question. I want to jump over to the offensive side with you. Uh, I remember preparing for the draft, having my draft guys on, uh, a lot of them said Joe uh, Tryon could be a mid-team pick. A guy who's had the outside chance of being drafted in the top half of the first round. He falls all the way down to the bottom of the first round, and the Bucks are able to scoop him up. He's a outside 3-4 linebacker. You've got pretty damn good outside 3-4 linebacker. I'll go, okay, well, they're going to use a first-round pick. This kid's going to sit. And then I got reports that he just absolutely killed it in camp and 
was at times their best defensive player in camp, and he was forcing his way onto the field. Five games in, how have they used Strand? How has he been able to contribute on the defensive end as a first-round draft pick? How has the coaching staff uh, made the most of this first-round pick? He's he's done everything you could ask. You know, he's a rookie, so he's still learning, you know, rush lanes and stuff like that and responsibilities on any given play. But they've used him in a variety of ways, left side, right side. Uh, it's Don't. Did our guy uh, freeze up on us? Yeah, Down the Atlanta. start, which was the L.A. game. And uh, because of Jason Pierre-Paul's injury. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I got you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got okay. you, Joe. Can I was you hear gonna me? Say, I'm here. Yeah, we got you. Um, go ahead. Let's give it a shot here. Oh, it's... All right. Uh, his computer is freezing up on him, so uh, we'll try and reestablish with J.C. Allen from Pewter Report. I, I meant what I said. Uh, I remember we have Rick Saratelli here on Bird Street 65 on my radio shows, too. You know, I have a couple of guys that I tap into for uh, – uh, draft evaluation and Tryon was a guy who oh, most of my draft guys really did like as a not last pick in the first round type draft pick, a high, not, not high, not top 10, but a good middle of the first round drive type draft pick. And he did drop down because not every team runs the type of defense that he came out of on the collegiate level, but he has hey. filled in quite nice. There we go. We got you ready to go again. You were in the midst of uh, answering about how Tryon has fit in and the coaching staff has been able to uh, get production out of him, even though the Bucks have as good a defense already in place as they do. Yeah, I mean, talk about, you know, winning the lottery there. Um, yeah, they've used them on, you know, in a variety of ways, outside, inside, hand in the dirt, both sides of the defense. Um, I go back to that L.A. game where he had to start in place of an injured Jason Pierre-Paul. And, you know, he was having really, really good success in that first quarter. And the Rams essentially had to put a tight end and chip on chip him because uh, they didn't realize what an impact this guy could have made on, on a game. And, uh, you know, you look at what he did versus New England, uh, had a really good game as well. Uh, first career sacks. Um, so I, I really think that, uh, you know, this kid is going to be a stud. You know, Lewis, I talked to Lewis Riddick a few weeks ago, and, you know, he's like, everything I'm hearing from down there, they're saying this guy could be the rookie, you know, a rookie of the year, potential all pro, steal of the draft. So I, I think as he progresses, as he gets older, he, like you said, he's learning from two of the best in Shaq Baird and Jason Pierre Paul. Um, he's already probably the best one-on-one -on -one edge rusher on the team, not to take away from Oh, and I think I, I actually heard that one coming. And it sounded almost like a rattlesnake before his video froze up on us. I uh, got the feeling that that was going to be the case. All right, here's what we're going to do. Xander, why don't we take a quick timeout? Um, and then we'll come back and we'll see if we can reestablish with JC. If not, uh, we're going to reestablish with our buddy John McMullen. He's still uh, listening to what Coach Sheriani has to say. All right. Uh, it looks like we may have JC back again. We're going to give this one more shot. Uh, Gotta love technology. As nice a day as it is down there, your Wi Fi isn't all that good, Mr. Hotshot. <laughs> the weather is great every single day here, guy. Uh... JC Allen. Yeah, you gotta love technology, right? Where, where, where'd you lose me? <laughs> um, I'm just pimped you a little bit. Hey, we talked uh, plenty about the defense. Let's jump over to the offense. 
Uh, that Brady guy, he can play a little bit. He's little in bit. the running for the MVP again. He's got as many weapons as he does, and I watched their game uh, last week. Antonio Brown made some spectacular run-after-catch type plays. He still is at the stone-cold top of his game. I was actually surprised when Tampa signed him last year because the guy has just been a nightmare to have to deal with. We know how good a player is. We know how much talent is there. But Brady has this working relationship with him and with other guys that he just has the ability to bring guys in and get them to conform. How the hell has he done this with Antonio Brown? You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, you go back to Josh Gordon, uh, some of these other troubled guys that Brady, you know, I think they see, they they respect them. They see the success. They understand, you know, this guy does everything right to do what it takes to win football games, not just win football games, win championships. And he's just a person he is too. The culture that he brings, um, you know, everyone wants to be part of something special. And, you know, if you're with Tom, it's going to be something special. So you got to buy in. And uh, I, I think he's just sincere, too. I, I think he really does care about these guys. He really does want the best for everybody. I don't, you know, one thing Tom Brady isn't, you know, I don't think is fake. You know, when he comes up and he says, you know, I care about Antonio. I care about Josh. I care about my teammates. I, I truly honestly believe that he cares about, about these guys. And, you know, that. You know, some of these guys might not have ever had people who, who cared about them, you know, really like that in their life and or, or have, you know, did and then used them to a certain point when they got money or what. I don't I mean, I don't know his background, his upbringing or anything like that. But, you know, just to know that, hey, this guy is taking time out of his day to help you to get you right. He's got a million other things going. He's got a family. He's the greatest of all time. And he's taking time to use his his time, his resources and his energy to, you know, trying to make, you know, make you the best you can be, you got to respect that. It is almost Bengali-like, and it just adds to the fact that he's the GOAT, the greatest of yeah. all time in the history of the National Football League. All right, tight end. It looks like Gronk's not going to go. We discussed that right at the top, which means it's going to be O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. You lose a guy like Gronkowski, you're looking for a massive drop-off, not with the Patriots because – they're three deep at tight end. Mm -hmm. Last week, O.J. Howard actually got more snaps than Cameron Bray. First time that's the case this yep. year. Um, is is the relationship between he and Brady coming along? I loved yeah. him in college, and, and they've had other tight ends down there, so he hasn't had a bust-out season. Is this the yeah. bust-out week for O.J. Howard? He, he, it's got to be, <laughs> you know. He's running on a, on a, on a timeline right here uh, towards the end of the season, and Gronk is coming back. Uh, he's had three weeks now to make the most of, uh, of his opportunities and whether that's by design in the playbook, you know, Bruce will say that he's improved as a blocker, but he left a, a block last week that led to a sack. Um, you know, that's the biggest thing you lose when Gronk's on in the game is his blocking ability. Cam Brady can catch everything. Uh, you know, well, you know, and OJ Howard theoretically should be able to catch everything. And the guy is built like a Ferrari in the tight end. Um, but, you know, they're going to they're gonna definitely miss Gronk this week because of the blocking aspect, but that's where O.J. Howard needs to step up. He needs to show that he's a complete tight end. He needs to be able to go out there and perform at the highest level possible as a receiving tight end, not drop any balls, make sure he's running the route out, and as a blocking tight end, make sure he's blocking uh, rushes, make sure he's blocking uh, in, the, in the run game and, and do an overall standout job in all three phases of the, uh, all three phases of the game. So it's uh, – you know, 
People down here in Tampa have been waiting for O.J. Howard to break out for a few years now. And whether it's because of injuries or, or whatever it is, it just hasn't happened. He's making $6 million this year. He's not going to get that next year from any other team. You can't really trade him because no one's going to pay $3 million for a tight end for half the season with, with bad production coming off an Achilles. Uh, so it, it's really right now is his time to shine as Gronk looks to return next week possibly. So he, he's got to make the most of this opportunity. I want to get want to get your take on a uh, specific guy on the uh, Bucks offensive line, who uh, to me has been a, a an unbelievable surprise. Uh, well, maybe I shouldn't say that, but uh, Chris Worfs, their uh, offensive tackle, yeah, just Christian two Worf. years ago, he was not the first, not the second, four, fourth offensive lineman taken in the first Crazy. round. Now number thirteen, that's not a bad place to be taken, thirteenth overall player. But three offensive linemen would take him before him, and at least as per my grades for football focus and the like, he has been far and away the best offensive tackle from the 2020 draft. Motivation, perfect fit with Tampa, uh, a mistake by the teams drafting in front of him. How has this kid gotten to basically a Pro Bowl level in only a year plus in the league? I'll I'll raise you one. Not just the best tackle since the 2020 draft. I think he's the best right tackle in the league since then. He's gone over a year without giving up a sack. A whole year. I mean, obviously, 365 days. Not all those days are football. But, I mean, you're looking at practically an entire season, football season, without giving up a sack. He's just been absolutely dominant. Uh, dominant came as advertised. This was the guy who I had number one in my tackle rankings. I had Andrew Thomas as number four who was a safer pick, he ends up going first. And, you know, those uh, Will, uh, Wills and Mackay Becton sandwiched in. But Trishan Wirfs, yeah, he's been the best guy out of the bunch so far. And I don't, I wouldn't even just say Pro Bowl. I think he's on an all-pro trajectory this year. I mean, he is just, um, you know, he's got a good matchup coming up against the Bears. His one sack all last year came against Khalil Mack. So, I mean, that's definitely a fun matchup that we're going to – everyone should be watching is, is Wirfs versus Mack. Um like, I mean, there's there's not – I mean, there's just not enough to say about the job that this guy came in. And as a rookie in a truncated offseason with, you know, no training camp, no, you know, mini camps, no preseason games to come in, step in, day one starter, and do the job he's done is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it, he is just – any the scary part, he's getting better. Uh, oh. That's the scary Don't part. say that coming into the game against the Eagles. The <laughs> Eagles are going to need to get a little pressure. I'm Brady uh, if they're going to be competitive in this game. Uh, I'm not suggesting they're going to get two sacks against Worth, but a pressure, maybe a little pressure off that side. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. JC, let me bring my uh, partner, John McMullen, in uh, with yep. us here. He was uh, jumped off to uh, listen to what the coach had to say with the uh, kind of whole rescheduled uh, Wednesday. Yeah, we got press conferences at 10. Yeah, yeah, you're you're dealing with it. So uh, Johnny Mac wanted to get a quick question or two in with you. Go ahead, JM. Well, I don't know what you guys talked about, JC, but I am really impressed with that Tampa Bay uh, uh, defense, rush defense, obviously. And we were talking about that sort of chicken in the egg thing and the fact that they're ranked number one. They were ranked number one in 2019, 2020 against the run, but they're ranked 32nd against the pass. Now, mm. it's my estimation you're there. People throw against Tampa Bay because, A, they're behind, and, B, they can't run. And yeah. it, 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 so this is a chicken and an egg that can be answered. Am I wrong on that? 
Yeah, so you're exactly right. I mean, teams are abandoning the run. I mean, you, you, they just held New England to negative one rushing yards. That's that's bad. <laughs> but uh, you know, teams are are realizing they can't run the ball on this on this defense, and and part of that is the reason why they're going through the air. They lead the league in pass attempts on them by a wide margin. They're just their teams are just throwing the ball on them. Um, the the stats are a little bit skewed because while the numbers suggest that they're, you know, they're just getting thrown all over. They're, it's actually been a mixture of lack of t- bad tackling and, you know, uh, allowing yards after catch, which they're near the bottom in both of those stats. Uh, they're actually only averaging, well, I haven't looked at the stat, so I apologize. Before the Miami game, I can't imagine it's changed much because they didn't really hit any deep balls. Uh, 7.3 yards per play through the air. So it's not like they're – hitting downfield they still they've only let up five passes of 20 yards or more through the air so it's not like teams are beating it down the field consistently where they have let up a, a large amount of passes are yards after catch now they coming into the miami game it, they had let up 19 yard 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 19 20 plus yards or more after a catch or a run so i mean you're and i think only one of those is a run so uh I can think of at least three plays where they totaled more than 20 yards after a catch. So that's where teams are making their bread and butter is underneath is targeting those uh, Devin white, getting mismatches, miss, mismatches with some of the banged up cornerbacks that are stepping, you know, to replace guys like Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy bunting and the bucks just not executing tackling. I mean, that's just what it is, is they're missing tackles at an alarming rate. It's, it's one of the highest in the league. And they're allowing yards after catch. I mean, they're also—they're not just missing tackles too. They're letting guys take them for a ride. They, you know, they're getting carried—you know, one, two defenders down the field for an extra three yards. Uh, it just can't happen, and that's why those numbers are a little, little skewed. It's not like teams are just airing it out all over the place on them. Yeah. Um, now you bring up Devin White. That's an interesting player to me because he was so spectacular. Uh, in the run toward the Super Bowl, in the Super Bowl, and obviously from an athletic standpoint. Uh, what's been the issue this year with him as far as – has it been missed tackles? You mentioned trying to generate mismatches. Obviously, Levante David's not going to play in this game, so I would think uh, Devin would be a big part of that defensive plan. Yeah, it's it's been some missed tackles. It's been some over-aggressive play. I mean, he's taken two defenders out of plays. This year already, uh, week two in Atlanta, uh, running into Levante David, allowing Kyle Pitts to make a big 20-plus yard catch. Then you look over at the other game, Deshaun Jackson, uh, with the Rams running down the right side of the field because he ran into Carlton Davis. And, and uh, you know, his, his coverage has aggressed a little bit, um, to be honest with you. He looked a little bit better last game. Definitely, you know, I have to say he got a bounce-back game. But, you know, when he's blitzing as well, he's, he's getting there. He's just not getting there in time. Uh, tackling has been an issue for everyone on the team, so I'm not going to single him out, but it, it's definitely been an issue. Um, I just think it's, you know, maybe third year. I, you know, I honestly don't know what the what the problem is with, with Devin White, and I don't think it's a lasting problem or something people need to be worried about for the long term. Um, I just think it's smarter, sounder technique, and and he'll be he'll be fine. Uh, it, it's just. You know, you haven't played for a while. Coverage hasn't been a strong suit because he is so aggressive, athletic, and rangy, and he wants to just make a play. So I think that's just self-awareness, uh, technique, um, being disciplined. And, I, I mean, those things are things you can coach, but those things are 
I think the player needs to look inside and say, you know, go with his gut at certain times. Hey, in this, I need to do this, in this, I need to do that. So it's something that he needs to look inward. Some things may be a little bit coaching. There is some, you know, schematic things I think they could be doing differently. Uh, you look at if teams aren't going to run on you, there's no need to have five down linemen. I mean, I think they, they can definitely take a, an edge rusher or a defensive lineman or someone can come off the field for an extra defensive back to give them that extra, extra uh, sense of protection. But at the same time, you want to get all your best guys in the field. So it's a, it's a, it's a little different, difficult for them to navigate through this time with all the injuries and everything like that. But, you know, Devin White, I think, is going to turn around, bounce back, and, and he'll be fine. I, I have no worries about the long haul. I think he's just going through some things. And, you know, once he, once he watches some tape and, you know, refines his technique and can stay a little more disciplined, he'll, he'll, he'll be back to one of the top linebackers in the game. JC, last one for me. And I readily admit this is from the category of trying to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Is the organization all out of whack and out of kilter because they had to remove John Gruden from their wall of fame down there? Oh, yeah. I, now, I that's a major, that. major distraction, major hurdle for the Bucks having to deal with the Eagles this week. I don't I don't think so. I mean, you've got fans who are upset about it. And it, you, you can't say that about one of the owners and think there's not going to be any, any repercussions. Now, granted, he didn't come out and say it publicly. It was in an email. Uh, years years ago, those now came public. I mean, regardless of what your feelings are on it and, you know, what your thoughts are on the whole situation that came down, can't be sending emails like that, bro. Uh, you know, you, you shouldn't be thinking like that in the first place, but you can't be putting those on the digital paper. It's not like you, right, you pass yeah. a note, it's going to get thrown in the trash compactor and it's gone. But um, so those things came to light. And I have no doubt that his not only will his name be gone from the Ring of Honor, the statue they have at, at Evan Health Center, uh, training center, it will probably be removed as well with him there. There's a pewter bust of him with, a, you know, some of the defensive guys when they won the game, and I'm sure he'll be taken out of there. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, I wouldn't say it's a distraction. It's definitely a kind of a hot topic. People are going back. Everyone's got their, you know, opinions. We are in Florida, um, so there's definitely some strong opinions on both sides. Um, but in, in the end, it's probably the right thing to do. Um, John Gruden will now be blackballed from all of football. He won't be a coach again. He won't be an assistant. He probably won't be in the booth anywhere. Um, and, you know, while it's unfortunate, you know, it's circumstances that he put himself in. So uh, the one thing you can kind of do down here in Tampa is, you know, you got to, you got to, the, the league is all about reacting, right? Uh, it's always been an NFL has always been a reaction league. You know, let's see what they say. Let's see what they do. Let's see what the blowback is. And then we'll react. You know, all, you talk about anything that's happened, concussions, Kaepernick, Gruden, all this stuff, you know, everything down the line. So the Buccaneers are more react, reacting, you know, they're act, they're acting before reacting. They're saying this yeah. stuff came out. It's not okay. We're taking it down before this outrage or outcry to take it down or anything like that. We're going to act. And, and that's, I think, 
what the Buccaneers organization has been on the forefront is an action league. You look at their inclusiveness and, you know, I mean, they just won award for inclusion, you know, and you, you can't have a guy who's yeah. honored in your, in your ring of honor and with statues of, even though we brought you a Super Bowl that probably was Tony Dungy's team, um, you know, so I understand the process. I'm not upset with it. It is what it is. It's a name on a ring. It's, doesn't really involve or impact football. I don't think the players are thinking about it. None of them are here for John Gruden. So, uh, you know, it's just another day for the players and the organization to move on, and they're moving on without John Gruden. JC, we appreciate your reaction and your contribution to our show here today. I know you got to jump on with Coach Arians. Thanks for uh, giving us a solid half an hour today. We'll get you back up down the road. Absolutely, yeah. I appreciate being here. Should be another game. These teams have great history against each other. Uh, I don't want to mention Rondé Barber. No. <laughs> get that off the show. You were great up until point. Now get uh, lost, Jason. No, but there's definitely some great history between this and, and some great uh, back and forth between fans. I've already seen plenty of it on Twitter. So yeah. definitely looking forward to it. Uh, and, you know, the, this Eagles team has not been as bad as people are talking about. I mean, you look at their, their statistics. The statistics, they're really, I mean, they've had two games against the Cowboys and the Chiefs, but they've, they've been pretty well. And, and I've been a huge Hurts fan um, since he was drafted, uh, and I really think this guy's going to be the real deal. Uh, the more time he gets in that offense, the more you know con- continuity and chemistry he gets with those wide receivers. Uh, I, I think the Eagles are in a good position at quarterback for the future. And uh, I, I expect this game <laughs> – this is a game I circled. I'll tell you guys this, and I've said it like before the season. This is a game I'm very nervous about for this Buccaneers team. There we go. Short week on the road. That alone. Thursday, plus they yeah. just faced three tough defenses in a row. I mean, I guess Miami kind of gave up in the second, in the fourth quarter. But, um, you know, you faced some really tough defenses, road trips, and, and this team's just got to be kind of a little bit tired right now. So now you're going up to Philly. They stink on Thursday night games. And, uh, you know, I think – you know, Philly is a team that, you know, there's, like I said, there's a lot of history. Any given Thursday, Sunday, Saturday, whatever day of Monday, whatever day of the week football's played, there can be upset. So I, I will be watching this one intently because I, I, I'm not just, I'm not giving it to the Bucks, you know, a blowout in any fashion or anything. I think this could be a game. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. JC, we appreciate you. Rondy Barber appreciates you. I don't know if Eagle <laughs> fans appreciate you, but thank you. Thank you very much for hopping on with us today. Thanks, JC. Absolutely. Pleasure. Have a good JC one. JC Allen, Pewter Report. He really went there. He, he went. Uh, Gotta go, Rondy. Gotta go, Rondy. To this day, J Mac, uh, I've been in town 30 plus years. That's the game I've been most woefully wrong about. I was. Joe Jurabicious. Throw that out there, too. And 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 I actually got a chance to hang, had lunch with Joe Jarvis when he was a member of the Giants, not a member of the Bucks. When he's a member of the Giants, Jody, you'll probably remember this. wasn't he Wasn't that the first game Tampa Bay won under thirty two degrees? Correct, first ever. As yeah. soon as I saw the weather report, and I waited. I didn't go seven day weather. I didn't go five day weather. I went two day weather. I said, "All right, I know how cold it's going to be. There's no way the Eagles can lose this game. Tampa has never won below thirty two degrees." And damn if they didn't win in the last game ever at the bet. That was as as much. Uh, I was probably more wrong about that game than any other Eagle game that I've ever seen. 
All right, we're coming back. Uh, good to get Johnny Mac back. We got to find out what the coach had to say. He jumped off to be part of the press conference with Nick Sirianni. We'll find out what the coach has gotten planned for the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. Coming up next, Aaron Birch 365. <laughs> comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Mega Mac guys here on Birds 365. Thanks for tuning in on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We've got an hour yet to talk about, or not even 50 some odd minutes. Uh, Bucks and Eagles coming up Thursday night, short week, as John just said to our guest, uh, JC Allen. Uh, third week on the road, short week. It's still the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming to town. They look pretty damn good this year. That's an issue, that's a problem. At least it is for me. But John McMullen is going to tell you why it's not a problem for Nick Sirianni. Well, I, don't, I don't know about that. Confidence in his press conference that John just got back from, he had chances on The coach didn't say a whole hell of a lot. But what did he say, Johnny Mac? Well, it was really quick, number one. Obviously, you know, everybody leans on this short week. We don't have time to do this. We don't have time to do that. We got to do this at 830 in the morning. So I do think it's kind of funny. Whereas Jason Kelsey's like, eh, I like it. <laughs> um, 
Uh, it, no, I, I mean, from a football standpoint, Derek Barnett's going to play, so that's a positive. He kind of tweaked his ankle. Uh, I, I know I kind of sort of came in on the back end there. I heard you talking about Tristan Wirfs. He's having a, uh, a great uh, young career. That's a really good offensive line overall, Tampa Bay. That's one of the underrated. If there's anything underrated on that team, it's probably their offensive line because it's really good. Uh, so that sh- shapes up as strength versus strength, and worse is a big part of that. So you need Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett out there uh, without Brandon Graham as much as possible, and Derek Barnett is going to be able to play, so that's helpful. Um, Dallas Goddard still – they can't talk about uh, people on the COVID list, very similar to the concussion protocol – so they can't give any updates, but you just look at the timing. And I use Zach Ertz as an example because he went on the COVID list before the Dallas game. If people remember, he ended up playing in the game. Dallas was Monday night. He got cleared Saturday. Um, you have to have two negative tests, 24 hours apart. Um, and you also have to be asymptomatic. Now, problem with that is when the Eagles had their walkthrough on Monday, Dallas Goddard was listed. All, all these are estimations because you don't have actual pra- practice, but <clears throat> he was listed as out with an illness. So that indicates to me he had symptoms. So long story short here, Jody, don't expect Dallas Goddard on Thursday night. So, you know, it's going to be Zach Ertz. It's going to be Jack Stoll. Uh, did I say Jack Ertz? Zach Ertz, Jack Stoll. Um, Noah Tagai is back. Uh, they could elevate him from the practice squad as a COVID replacement. Um, but I wouldn't expect Dallas Goddard to play. Rob Gronkowski might not play. You might have got more info from J.C. Allen. I don't know if you yeah, asked no, he, him that he question. He did say that uh, the coach basically counted Gronkowski out, that yeah, uh, he's so. not going to play. And uh, uh, they're flying up today. If Antonio Winfield doesn't pass – Percussion uh, protocol, concussion protocol. Before they're not even going to put him on the plane, uh, yeah. so that one we should know by the time today is over and done with, because we'll find out whether he did get on the plane flying up here to Philadelphia or not. Yeah, so they're banged up, and Levante David's not going to play. Uh, I know Ryan Jensen's dealing with a hip injury. He's their great center. Uh, Chris Godwin is dealing with some issues, but I think he's going to play. Obviously, Tom Brady's got a thumb injury, but he's going to play. We know that. Um, and I know JC mentioned their cornerback issues from an injury standpoint. So if you're looking for optimism, like Joe Krause always wants optimism, they're banged up. They are banged up. But uh, was the coach exuding optimism? Because he's a pretty optimistic guy to begin with. Um, but now that he's done his, uh, since they have such shortened time on the field, not enough hours to prepare, have they gotten in enough video time, enough tape time to be able to say, all right, here's what we're going to have to do if we got any chance of slowing down this clock soccer? Well, Nick's always optimistic, so you're not. I mean, that's one of the strengths of him. As I think that's one of the reasons he has this job because he just lights up rooms and convinced Jeffrey Lurie he was the guy. But um, he did give me an interesting story. He said, "What when they landed from Charlotte, 
his kids were already asleep, so he took some of his coaches home with him uh, to start prep work uh, on the box immediately. Uh, so they all went to Nick Sirianni's house, Shane Steichen, Kevin Petullo, uh, a lot of the offensive coaches to start prep. Um, and I told uh, JG, you go homework by yourself. Well, JG, they just JG. run him off. I don't know. He, he didn't give the list of coaches that made the cut. But, you know, Sounds let's like be the honest, I, always, I always say this about the NFL. It's really co-head coaches. If you're an offensive head coach, JG's probably at his house working is what I'm trying to say. He's bringing a, did he bring his defensive staff home with him? I don't Do you know. know that? I, did he I, mention I that yesterday when JG was on or did he keep that under wraps? He, he didn't get asked the question. We get more time with Nick than true. JG, so you can get into more, uh, more uh, under the radar stuff. Uh, you got to get to the meat and potatoes with the coordinator. But let's be honest. I mean, Nick Sirianni doesn't have a lot to do with the defensive side of the ball. I, I think it's funny when people act like because uh, JG, it was the Kansas City game where he admitted he got caught with Tyreek Hill on Eric Wilson in the red zone. And I asked him at the time, I said, well, what's, you know, if you get caught, it's on the field. Everything happens. Bang, bang. If you've ever been on the field in an NFL game, it's 40 seconds. So when people are looking back on it and saying, all right, what do you do? And then the, obviously the communication is cut off at, at 15 seconds. Um, you know, what do you do when that sense instance if you're a defensive coordinator and you say oh they they caught me i can't be in this defense now the first and most obvious thing you never want to do but you can call time out and adjust but you know jg let it slip like he can't call time out nick sirianni's got to call time out so i asked well what's the process there you know and nick said i go down and stand next to jg and and, and by the way, I don't think they wanted to call timeout. I don't think – I just found it interesting, you know, what is the process for that? Because you've got, you got 40 seconds to make a damn decision. Right. And if you know you're getting beat, you know, think about if that's the NFC Championship game or the Super Bowl, you know, you're probably going to call timeout and say, uh, I'm, you know uh, – so I thought it was interesting to get them on record. And, you know, that's one of the things. And this is not an Eagle problem. This is a league-wide problem. And that's why I think – and by the way, I think you'll see this more moving forward. You'll have a game management specialist or whatever they want to call it. You know, somebody will come up with a new title. Um yeah, it's kind of weird. The NFL doesn't pay as much attention to that kind of stuff as they probably should. All right. One uh, quickie question before we take a timeout. We are hoping to be joined by Barrett Brooks. We were a little late with JC, but we went long with him. So our own Barrett Brooks scheduled to join us coming up next. Um, you and I discussed before you had to break off for Sirianni's press conference, the RPO aspect of the Eagles offense and that they do it to accentuate what Jalen Hurts does best. I think they're a little heavy on the RPO side right now. I think there can be a better balance, but it's got to be adjusted for the opponent that you're playing every single week. They're playing Tampa. Tampa's the best team against the run in the National Football League. 
They are this year. They were last year and the year before. Doesn't the RPO lose its edge because you're trying to hide whether you're actually going to run the ball or throw the ball? If we know they're going to throw the ball a ton against Tampa because it only makes too much sense, what does the RPO aspect of it actually buy you? Do you think they'll actually run less RPOs this week because of the opponent than they usually do? I don't think so because I think that I think it's a mechanism. One part of it that goes unnoticed. It's a mechanism to make Jalen comfortable. Um, number one. Um, so think of it like play action, a different form of play action. You know where a, a traditional quarterback would do that. And I always, I would always say to myself, you'll you'll see this in the NFL at times. It'll be third and fifteen. You're behind the sticks, and you run a play action. And I'm thinking to myself, but you know, that split second, why, why are you doing that? Why are you wasting time? Exactly. And coaches say, Hey man, it's just a, a timing thing. It's a mechanism that the cut, the quarterback feels comfortable doing it. Some do, some don't. And, and they do it to make the quarterback more comfortable because it doesn't make sense. Uh, and it just gives the, the defensive line, uh, another kick to get there early because you know they're throwing the football. That's part of it. And I think a, a, a lot of people don't talk about that and the fact that, you know, you're not going to line up and, as I said, and run in a traditional fashion. A, the Eagles are not good at it. B, again, you're playing the team that's the best at stopping it. So they're not going to go away What makes from what makes the quarterback feel comfortable and then you have those quick hitters, and J.C. mentioned Devin White's had tackling problems. The whole defense has had tackling problems. You start talking about yards after catch. Maybe you can get Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins. I put Quez Watkins above Jalen Rager these days. Um, maybe you can get him going in that fashion. One of the downsides to RPOs, and yeah, I sound like I'm a down on the RPO guy today. I am. I hate and, RPOs, by the way, Jody. I hate them. You and I both. I think they're the ugliest uh, from an aesthetic standpoint. I've told you this. I think it's horrible to watch. Yeah. But I, it is what it is. I don't care about the aesthetics. I only care about the results. No. Like you said earlier, people, ooh, ju- judge scheme. No, they don't judge scheme. They judge results. Well, same no. thing with me and RPOs. I'm just judging results. And I don't think the results have been good enough. And one of the results has been offensive linemen downfield, basically on a weekly basis with this team out of RPOs. Oh, we got a guest up next to talk about that. Former offensive lineman in the National Football League, current Jacob Media superstar. Oh, yeah, and he works for NBC Sports over there on the cable side. Our buddy Barrett Brook joins us next here on Birds 365. comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. 
Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at MessaLaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. You're on Bird 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Thanks for being with us. The other Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. One quick note before we punch up our buddy Barbara. I just turned to my right and they're uh, showing. Uh, I got the NFL Network on my TV down here in my uh, broadcasting basement. Brian Westbrook has got some serious salt in that salt and pepper beard. Wasn't he just playing last week? Damn, now McMullen and I both have the white here, which, my, by the way, mine is yeah. white, not gray. Uh, I'm an albino. I don't tell anybody. Um, but there's, there's no hiding what McMullen and I have going on. But yeah. Brian Westbrook getting the white in the beard. Damn, Barrett Brooks, we're all getting old. You're not near as bad. You coloring that thing? No, no, no. no. I, I, I embrace it. I embrace it. You know, not like the women in my house. They see a gray hair, they're going nuts. Gotta, me, I embrace it. gotta embrace it. Gotta let it go. Same yeah, thing yeah. with the hair. Just Plus let it I'm go. I'm low maintenance. That's why I got a bald head. I'm low yeah, maintenance, bro. Exactly. It's great, <laughs> by the way. Right, Once right. you get over the hump, it's great. You know, father time gets us all, except who's coming in Thursday oh, night. I gets cannot us believe all, it. except this guy. What the hell is going on with Tom Brady? 400 plus yards, five touchdowns. This is unbelievable. Hey, hey, I'm telling you what, I, I stopped eating strawberries because of him. <laughs> he stopped eating strawberries. I stopped eating strawberries. The only thing I'm trying to get is the bread part. He doesn't eat bread. I'm trying to get that away. But, hey, man, Father Time has been kind to him. He's got to deal with somebody, man. And I don't know what it is. Whatever he's playing, whatever he's paying, <laughs> I keep paying, bro, because he, he, he looks amazing right now, you know. But you know what? Just listening to you guys, man, you know what, John? That made a lot of sense to me now. Now I understand. I can kind of comprehend why he's doing what he's doing with these RPOs because defensive coordinators pay, get paid a lot of money to stop pays, millions of dollars to stop these plays. And I think that's why they run it just 
because it's comfortable to him. He enjoys running it. That's why they do it because defensive coordinators, what they're doing, they're slanting that end down, crashing the end, so they have to um, pull it. They're not going to run it. They know they're not going to run it because they're slamming the end down. But they're mm-hmm. also combating that by, um, you know, with the routes that they're running by leaving the linebackers at linebacker depth. They're not asking the linebackers to crash down and, and, and fill on the run either. They're sticking back. So now that read is supposed to be open when that, you know, when that, when your end crashes, that linebacker is supposed to replace him. Well, they're not replacing him. They're keeping him at linebacker depth, which now takes away the passing read that you have from that linebacker. So they're going to have to do something to, 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 you know, throw the read off or, or do whatever just to make sure they can run this RPO since he's comfortable with it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is an interesting conversation because Jody and I have talked about this now for a couple of weeks and, and you have these two masters you're trying to serve. You're trying to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday night. You're also trying to figure out from Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie, the organizational perspective is Jalen Hurts a long-term guy. And sometimes those goals clash because I know a lot of people are saying, just let him get, step back and throw the football from the pocket. Just run the football traditionally. I think Nick Sirianni believes that's not going to succeed. He's trying to accentuate the strengths of his quarterback. Those clashing heads, can can those Rams start butting heads, in other words? Can you do two things? Can you prep to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And can you figure out if this kid can do the things that you need to be to be the next Tom Brady? Obviously, he's not going to be the next Tom Brady. But you get my point to yeah. be a long-term answer at the quarterback position in the NFL. He can be a Dak Prescott very easily. In fact, I think he has more uh, of a skill set than even Dak does, you know, as far as, you know, what he can do with the ball. I mean, he can throw it. I mean, he has, a you know, a nice deep ball, you know, when he has an opportunity to step into his passes. Um, I, I think he's a little faster than Dak is. But he doesn't have the autonomy to really learn and have that, you know, that that learning curve that Dak was given. Dak was given that learning curve because, you know, his his draft mate was such a force. You know, you know, Elliot, you could just hand the ball off to him and he could go out there and, and, and take control of the game. Well, they're not going to do that here in Philadelphia. The owner wants to throw the ball, so they're going to throw the ball for the most part. And people don't really realize, you know, how much of a, you know, how much of a, a stickler uh, I, I think the ownership is about doing it. You know, I mean, he wants one of those prolific offenses that gets the ball going down the field, you know, with greatest show on turf type of deals. So they're going to do that. They're going to throw the ball, you know. So if Big Red can say, all right, I'm going to run the ball, then we can do the same thing. So we're not going to do it. So we're going to do what the owner says do. So we're going to pass it. He's, it's not fair to Jalen because Jalen can be that type of quarterback. Jalen can be a guy that you could, you know, invest in and, and, and be a team player and he could carry your team because you don't need a great quarterback to win Super Bowls. You don't need one. In fact, I, when I won my Super Bowl, the quarterback wasn't great. Ben wasn't great. No. In fact, was. Ben was a little pissed off that Super Bowl because he had a bad game. He wasn't even really celebrating with the team. When um when when he was uh you know when we won that Super Bowl you know he was down on himself he was mad and pissed off on himself that he didn't play as well as he did but we had a run game you know we had Jerome Bettis Deuce Staley you know Willie Parker we had a running game to which we could fall back on we don't have that here because they're not going to allow that to be here so that I mean, that's a, that's a major problem you know he's not going to get an opportunity to grow 
and then be patient with them because we have those three first round, well, two and a half first round picks. We got two in a possible right now. If we're playing space, we got two in a possible. And that's always going to be lingering in in the back of the, you know, the owner's head, the GM's head, and also the, 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 um, the head coach's head. Barry, you just went back to your playing days. I'm going to ask you to do it again. Did you ever play in an offense that utilized the RPO? Maybe not as often as this Eagle team is using it right now, but was RPO any part of any offense you ever uh, played with? Uh, when I was in college, we did because we, you know, we, we used that a little bit. But, you know, in the NFL, no, it wasn't anything that, you know, that was a college type of deal. That's what colleges did. That's what, what Nebraska did, Oklahoma you know, for a better part of the, you know, their their dynasties during that time period, that's what they ran was RPOs. You know, it's an extension from from the option that they ran, the triple option they had to run. They just added a, a um, you know, a, Oklahoma added a, an asset with, with throwing the ball down the field. And that was a great asset for them because that's how Keith Jackson got drafted to the Eagles because of that same RPO type of system. I played with quarterbacks. Our RPOs were more so <clears throat> waggle plays where – you know the front side would block like a pass, but we'd pull the backside guard, and he almost be he'd almost be a guy that you know that a bodyguard for the quarterback as he rolled out. He would be in protection with him, you know, out rolling out there with him, or we ran boot protection, or we just ran play action. Those were our RPOs. We didn't have that mesh that um, that they use now in the NFL. It wasn't a mesh point in it. It was just you know we were just moving the quarterback. I'll just think you know, can you imagine? I had the greatest. Um, dual purpose quarterback to ever play in Randall Cunningham. Can you imagine if he had an RPO in, in which he could use that? He could be dangerous, man, pushing that ball down the field because then you'd have to respect the fact that we had Ricky Waters there, Charlie Garner. So you option to that. And then the arm that Rick uh, that um that that Randall had and then turn around his ability to run the ball after it. I mean defense would go nuts trying to carry um try to stop whatever aspect you want to stop because he could do it all. You just mentioned a lot of great running backs, Barrett, in in Pittsburgh, Eagles. Simple question. Do people in this town overrate Miles Sanders? I think they do. I think they do overrate him. But they only overrate him because they've seen what he can do. And since we don't do it enough, I don't know if he could really, you know, live up to what they're asking him to do. I mean, his rookie year. He was asked to run the ball consistently. He did that. But then you, we turn around and we just forget who he is and what he can bring to the table. And I know what is, I know that, you know, the years of the bell cow back are gone. But do we realize what we did in the Super Bowl year where we had a, a positive running game? You know, you had big backs back there. You know, you had, you had LeGarrette Blunt back Blunt. there. You know, you could use Blunt in that type of way. Um, you know, you could use our running backs. And I mean, and, and that's when our season really took over was that you know, at the time they were San Diego and San Diego, they ran the ball on them. He boasted that 60 yard run. I mean, it really turned our team around because we had a running game that you have to respect the running game because you see Blunt sitting back there and he could pound the ball on you. And that aspect is, is and then Jay totally Jai came in. Don't oh, they, forget Jay Jai came in and then, I mean, you have two hammers, you know what I'm saying? And we used to nail the coffin on a lot of teams because we would control the clock, control the line of scrimmage. And because of that, we kept your best weapon, your quarterback off the field. That's a that's a commodity we don't use anymore. We have that in the backs that we have. You have these, you know, these these backs that you know we just don't use. Even Boston Scott, 
is a weapon when you use him. He's not even touching the field because he can't touch the field because we don't run the ball because our lead back, who who you would say is, you know, even it, pick either one. You know, pick either one. You can pick Miles Sanders or you can pick the rookie. We don't use either one of them enough to be a run threat. So why even run an RPO when you know you're not going to hand the ball off? You're going to pass the ball. And, you know, why you get that illusion? Well, it makes the quarterback comfortable. I like that you said that. Yeah, that brought John, a lot to me. John gave us a good explanation, but I still say they overuse it. Uh, but I yeah. digress. <laughs> um, going to ask you, uh, Barrett, since you are a former standout tackle in this league, how is Tristan Wirfs this good this fast? Oh, man, they, they invested him and put him in there day one. He already had the tools. He was already a good player. Hard-nosed kid, you know. I mean, Iowa kids, you know, that's what they are. They're hard-nosed. That's what they do. They want to go out there and pound the ball, pound the rock. But when you're blocking for a quarterback like, like um, you know, Brady, you tend to step your game up a little more. So his maturation got, you know, accelerated because you're blocking for the best quarterback to ever play the game. So you want to play to that level. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, and and he was already – he already had the tools. He had already had the intangibles. It just got highlighted because – they knew what they needed to do. They need to protect the best player to ever play the game. So, you know, that's why he playing at that level because you have high expectations. You can you tend to play better than what you think you are so because you're blocking for the man. You know, he he's somebody, you know, you have – even my rookie year, I kind of played a little bo- above what I was supposed to play because I was blocking for the ultimate weapon. I was blocking with for, for two good backs, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and you have a certain pride about yourself when you're given that opportunity. But I will say this, you know, you say that about Tristan Wirth. But if you also look at the left tackle right now with the Eagles, he is the highest trade commodity we have right now. Yeah, but you can't trade him now, Barrett. You don't well, know what's going on with Lane. I this know, might man. Be, Andre Geller to left tackle, Jordan Mylotta right tackle, might be your long-term answer. <laughs> You're absolutely right because you don't know what's going on with it, and that's kind of crazy. But there's nobody right now that has the highest trade value on this team than, than, than Andre Dillard right now. He could command the highest draft capital of, of out of anybody on the team right now because it's so hard to find a good left tackle. And, yes, I'm saying he is a good left tackle. He yeah. is playing he amazing right really now. really well. Yep. And, you know, last week was the first week you said, okay, you got a little bit of a break in Dallas, no Demarcus Lawrence. You got a little bit of a break against Kansas City, no Frank Clark. Well, you're Brian Burns out there is a great pass rusher in Carolina, and he still performed pretty well. Yep. I agree with you. Andre Dillard has played at, at a pretty high level, and people are finally getting to see why he was a first-round pick. All of a sudden, he's got the confidence. I don't want to trade him now. Is that crazy? <laughs> you know, it is crazy, but at this point, I truly believe he – he, they might dangle him before they'll dangle Ertz, simply because you, can you imagine a trade capital you can get for a starting left tackle? That just doesn't happen. You know, it was a right tackle that Kansas City traded, you know, a King's ransom for in Brown. Can you yeah. imagine what they would give right now for Andre Dillard, what a yeah. team would do to give Andre Dillard? I mean, it's, it's amazing, you know, how things have changed in a matter of three weeks on a guy's whole future. Now, this is a tough test, though. This is his toughest test. Jack Barrett's going to be out there. Uh, JPP's going to be out there, uh, even though he's a little bit banged up. This, mm-hmm. this, if we get out of this game and say Andre Dillard played well, 
you're starting to think maybe this kid has turned the corner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's just confidence with him. You know, he got stronger over the last two seasons. He got stronger. He did that. But I think the biggest thing was confidence. You know, when you get enough people telling you all oh, you're bad, you tend to think you're bad. And I think yeah. that's what would happen. He he was he was thought of as being bad. But once they forgot about, you know, uh him being a starter, they forgot about him being there. Then he stepped into the lineup and he was just playing because we were worried about, you know, Brooks not playing. And 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 the mere fact that, you know, that that Mylotta wasn't playing. He got that confidence, man, and he is playing phenomenally right now. He already had great technique, great hand placement. He just didn't have that dog. Well, he's finally, finally staying that dog. He's fighting out there, and you, you couldn't ask him to play any better right now. Uh, if he has a good game this week, I'm never going to hear the other because Johnny Mack's a big <laughs> Dillard fan. Let me, let me just point out that – I just said Dillard, he was talented. Dillard is 26 years old. Tristan Wirfs, who may be the best tackle in all of football, is 22. So isn't it nice that Dillard's actually put together a couple of decent games back-to-back at age 26? Yeah, absolutely. I got to try and balance the scales here because Johnny Mack's a big oh, Dillard guy. I, I'm I, not I, near as big a Dillard guy. All right, uh, Barrett, Tom Brady's coming to town. He ages one, the GOAT, the greatest of all times and the like. What has Jonathan Gannon got up his sleeve? Is there anything he can do? to slow down Brady, to confuse Brady, maybe catch Brady off guard. I fear that Brady's going to kind of do what Mahomes did, go up and down the field against them uh, and just pick them apart. Give the Eagle fans something to hang their hat on that the Eagles can throw at them defensively that maybe, maybe slows them down. We actually have a really good secondary when we use them um, the way we need to use them. <clears throat> Nelson, Nelson, and, and Slay can line up with anybody in the league. Avante Maddox shown now that he's more comfortable at that slot position. He can line up against anybody in the league. So they're playing at a high level. I just need those guys up front to hide and mask what we have in as far as inefficiencies at the linebacker position. That's what we're lacking so much. And I see them mixing it around a little bit. And, and, and you know, and, and I like the fact they were doing it. They had guys like TJ Edwards lining up and, and playing, you know, a substantial amount of time because he's the, he's not going to worry about playing a linebacker level. He's coming downhill. He understands he has to make a play instantly. So he's getting up there and he's hitting guys. You know, you want guys like that. Davion Taylor played amazing the other day when given an opportunity. He's quick, he's fast, and he wants action. Bradley's getting a couple reps here and there. He's trying to mix and find, trying to find the right mix of guys to go out there and be successful. His linebackers have to get more impact impact tackles. I'm tired of tackles eight yards down the field, seven yards down the field. Impact tackles are tackles anywhere before or after the line of scrimmage. If you can tackle a guy there, then you're, you're, you know, you're cooking with hot grease. These guys need more impact tackles. Only way they can do that, I really feel, is if they move that defensive line around like they did this last game. They were moving them around. They were running stunts. They were slanting. And when you slant line, when you slant defensive linemen, it activates the linebackers because now they have to go downhill and fill their gaps. So he was calling things that allowed him to really um, be proactive players. So if you slant the defensive line, that gives the defensive line, number one, an ability not to be double teamed because they're slanting to a certain gap. They, they might, you know, guess right, slant away from the double team. Now they're one-on-one -on -one getting up the field. That linebacker then has to replace and get to his gap, which is getting him going downfield. Those are the things that you can do to hide the inefficiencies you have at the linebacker position. But he has to call more of them. Allow his DBs to play tighter. 
You know, they want to put their hands. They want to be physical. They want to reroute these receivers. He's not giving. He wasn't given an opportunity before. Well, hey, I think that these these um these veteran cornerbacks are starting to say, you know what? I'm a, I'm gonna play my game. I'm gonna be more aggressive. I'm not gonna step back as much. I'm gonna get up on these guys and show them that why they're paying me this money. Why I'm one of the best cornerbacks. Leave. I'm telling the quarterback, <clears throat> keep talking trash about Slay because Slay. He had a chip on his shoulder, the size of Rocket Gibraltar, and he played that way. So I mean, maybe they need that. Whatever it takes, dog mask takes. You know, the, you know the crowd. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever. Booing them, whatever it takes. Just yeah. get them fired up because they played at a high level. Even even um Fletch, Fletch got pissed off because everybody was you know uh, the crowd was was roaring for Hargrave because Hargrave got his sack. He said, you know what, I'm not gonna be outdone because those first three or four plays, I've never seen. Fletch get blocked one on one as much as the first um, the first quarter of the game. He was getting blocked one on one. You couldn't block one on one with Fletch. He would destroy whoever it was. Yeah. Then you turn around. Hargrave got that sack. Then all of a sudden he became uh, this this beast, the monster that I've been seeing him. Now you couldn't block him with two guys. He's making things happen. I think these guys need some type of gimmick or whatever you want to call it to get them going in the right direction. They want this us against the world mentality. Give it to them. You know what I'm saying? Talk trash about them because I know they'll start playing at a higher level if they see people, you know, doubting them. Slay certainly will. I agree with you. I'm going to play <laughs> devil's advocate here, though, Barrett. Buffalo, if you watch Buffalo play Kansas City, guess what? They had the same game plan as Jonathan Gannon. They just executed it. They played cover two all stinking day. They just executed it. You can't you know, play man coverage a lot on Patrick Mahomes. You can't blitz. You can't do exotic things. They will kill you. Absolutely. <laughs> now, this week, not as explosive, but you have Tom Brady, you have Mike Evans, you have Antonio Brown, you have Chris Godwin. I'm not sure you can do what you can do against the Carolina Panthers and Sam Darnold. You can put a lot of exotic stuff out there. If you do that against Tom Brady, he's going to find, he's going to say, oh, right there. That's where I'm going with the football. I've seen it all. I've done it all. Don't you have to be a, a little bit more malleable when you're playing quarterbacks at this level? Well, you can't. You have to, with Tom Brady, you have to be, you know, a little more cautious and you, you know, sending the blitz. So you don't want to send the blitz. Now you're relying on your talent in the second, in the secondary. You have to rely on them being physical players, um, you know, getting up in Mike Mike Evans' face, playing tighter on them. You know, you do have speed guys like AB that you know you you gotta you know pick your poison with him, but you know that you can you can run with the major part of these these um, these wide receivers. So use the talent that you have. Sometimes talent takes over, and the scheme work has to take the back seat. And I think that's what they're going to rely on. It's more so the talent of these guys is going to beat a Tampa Bay team as opposed to you trying to scheme up Tom Brady. He's seen everything under the sun. You know what I'm saying? Now you just got to let get your guys out there play the game that you know they can play. So you're going to ask them, hey, take a little more of a, uh, you know, take take a little more risk and, and, and get up on your guy. Make sure you can, you, can, you can reroute your guy as opposed to playing back because he'll pick you apart. You know, he'll get the ball in his hand so fast if you play back and try to, you know, corral things and tackle in front of him. That won't work against Tom Brady. You have to ask your athletes to be the guys that are going to win this game as opposed to the scheme. Barrett, the Eagles will probably, I'm not saying definitely, but probably be without Dallas Goddard 
Uh, he's in the COVID protocol. If he can get two negative tests over the next 30 some odd hours, maybe right before the game, he gets uh, cleared and he can play. But if he's not, Eagles probably going to play a lot of regular personnel, three wide out, because I don't think they're going dual tight end. That's just a guess on my part, um, which means Zach Ertz will be the only option if they're going to throw the ball uh, on tight end. Will they use more wide receivers? Greg Ward and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside basically these days are pick guys. They go in and illegally pick <laughs> the other defender and get points taken off the board. They don't actually get the ball thrown to them. Who's going to catch the ball this weekend? If Goddard's out, I don't know if they go more wide receiver sets. I don't think that they're going to be able to get Jack Stoll. We got Mac and Mac. We, then we got Zach and Jack with the Eagles tight end position. <laughs> I don't know that that's going to add up to huge catches. Who's going to catch a ball for the Eagles this week? Well, they don't use Goddard nearly enough in 11 personnel. They usually like to put um, Ertz in in 11 personnel. That's one tight end and one running back. I, I, You know, I really think that, you know, if they were really smart, they would use a little 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end. That way you get your best athletes on the whoa, field. Whoa, 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 whoa. You said two running backs. They don't hand it to one running back. How the hell are they going to get two running backs? Well, I'm not saying they're going to hand it to them. I'm saying they're they're going to lose it. They're going to throw it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They're going to put, you know, they'll line up the rookie out there at the um, wide receiver position. You know, give him an opportunity to go out there and run around, get the ball to him that way. I mean, he can do it all. And I, and I, and I mean, they were smart. That's what they would do. But I think they're going to still go with 11 personnel. And they've been riding with Zachers anyways. You know, that's that's one of the fallacies I've, 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 I've been talking about as far as the offense, that we don't use Dallas Goddard nearly enough. I think he is a potent weapon that if you get the ball to him, he gets the yak yardage. We don't know if Zachers can get yak. We know that Dallas Goddard can get some yak yardage. So I think he's an, yeah. an underused tool anyways in their repertoire. I also think that we have to get the ball to the rookie also. I mean, he's shown that he could be dynamic anywhere you put him on the field. You know, you can line him at the wide receiver position, traditional running back position. How about we put him in the in the, in the wing position right next to the, you know, to, to the tight end and give him a little Texas route, a little option route, you know, one-on-one with, with – with, 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 well, David's not playing, you know, White. One-on-one with White. I, I put my money on him, you know, beating White – you know, every day and twice on Sunday. You know, I really believe that he's a good enough athlete that he could beat that that one-on-one coverage with their linebackers. And then, it's, you know, it's green grass after that. They're going to throw the ball a lot this game simply because the DBs for the for the Bucks suck. So I already know the game plan going in. It's going to be true. less running, more throwing. But if our offensive line can hold up, maybe we can possibly be competitive in this game. I can't see him winning, but I can see him being very competitive. Right now, now. It, last one for me, Barrett. Um, you mentioned a lot of playmakers there, even rookies like Kenny Gainwell. Um, one I didn't hear mentioned was Jalen Rager. What the heck is going on with Jalen Rager? Uh, you know what? I mean, it's 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 incredible to me that he's taking the back seat and, and has allowed them to himself to take the back seat to everybody there. He's by far okay. one of the most talented wide receivers we have for his quickness. Uh, you know, even the strength, his build, he's bigger than Smith, but he doesn't play as physical as Smith does. I mean, he's quicker than Smith. He's faster than Smith, but he doesn't play at the speed Smith does. I mean, he is really taking a, a second or third seat to the other wide receivers, and I don't understand why. 
You know, and, and, and it's not like they're not giving him an opportunity. They're giving him an opportunity to get out there and make some plays. He just hasn't done it. I don't know what's going on with him. Um, I think it just has to do something to do with just him. He needs to make that 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 commitment and that mindset. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be a baller. So I don't know. Should we talk stuff about him so he can have a chip on his shoulder? Uh, whatever it is, he needs to make sure that he adjusts uh, whatever he needs to do to become a better player because he is not playing at nearly the athletic ability that I know he can and I've seen him play before. He was the second best wide receiver in the Big 12 um in his last year at in, at um at TCU he was by far second only to CD Lamb and I saw his ability after the catch to make some things happen I haven't seen it happen they're trying to game plan him he's just not stepping up to the plate and executing uh in the game plans all right uh, one last thing for me I was going to wrap it up but you said something that intrigued me so now I have to ask you a question your <laughs> college football broadcasting stuff on Saturdays have you seen an under the radar guy? Have you uh, uh, picked out a guy? Who's, hey, this guy's not getting enough coverage. This guy's better than everybody. See, I'm going to bring this back to the. We're going to steal this guy in the fifth <laughs> round. Get get Roseman on the phone. Have I got a name for him? Mm. Have you seen anybody like that yet? No, not really. I mean, it, it, the, the, I'm looking at you know a lot of games, and I can't really focus on you know the the real thing. I'm, I'm I start my um my breakdowns and everything for quarterbacks. I'm starting to look at quarterbacks. You know, actually this week. You know, and I'm going to go through and look at how I'm look at all the quarterbacks. So as I am doing these college games, I'm starting to break down position by position. This week is the quarterback position. Next week, I'll go to the running back position. So I'll get down and I'll let you guys know a little later on in the season who I think uh, the Eagles should go out there and, and, and try to, you know, bring them in. But at the end of the day, everybody that I told them to bring in, they didn't and they won't. <laughs> and it, 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 you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, <laughs> how about this? How about we try to, you know, get this quarterback going in the right direction? And then go up and pick up three guys in the first round on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe a linebacker, a rusher. Uh, you know they're not picking a linebacker. <laughs> no chance. No I, see, I, yeah. you're right. See, that's what I'm saying, man. But you know, at the end of the day, man, it's nothing like looking across that field and seeing a guy, you know, like Junior Seau, or or you know, seeing a linebacker, you know, Pat Swilling looking at you, staring at you across. You have to game plan those guys. Nobody game plans yeah. our, for our DB. I mean, our um, linebackers, bro. Davion Taylor, they're <laughs> just the start. Well, hopefully, we see a little bit more of Davion this week. And, oh, by the way, when you figure that guy out, yes, please come back on Birds 365. Because if you try and take it to the middle, Aton won't care. And Harry will forget <laughs> 10 minutes yeah. after you throw the name out there. So make sure you bring it with us. Uh, Barrett, great stuff. Always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks well, a lot, I'll guys. Be back in a couple of Thanks, weeks. Thanks, Barrett. All right. That is our big guy, Barrett Brooks, here with us on Birds 365. And, yes, we kid because we care with Aton and with Harry. All right, coming back. I am going to assuage the fears of my partner, John McMullen, about the Colts tanking this season. I love I love the word assuage, by the assuage. way. I love being assuaged. Uh, uh, it sounds like I shouldn't say that, but it's perfectly fine. <laughs> uh, and I will assuage my partner, John McMullen, when we come back, because the Colts owner just said something that tells me Eagles are getting a first-round draft pick this year. Explain. Coming back here on Birds 365.
comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Mac and Mac guys coming back to wrap up a very 365. All right, I teased it for you before we went to break. Down. I just saw this on Pro Football Talk. The owner of the Indianapolis Colts, Jim Irsay, who's kind of a maverick guy, um, spends all this money on music paraphernalia, Elton John's piano and stuff like that. He's 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 kind of an out there guy. Not Not always in a bad way, but yeah. he's a little bit out there. Oh, he got out there in a bad way today. Yeah, I saw that. I Took saw to that. Twitter and promised Colts fans, and when I use the word promise, oh, I mean the word promise, not one, but two championships in this decade. Don't believe me? I will read it directly for you from Jim Mercer's Twitter. Colts Nation, don't you worry. We're going to get the horseshoe, meaning the Colts, at least two Lombardies this decade. Ursay wrote, as sure as the sun rises and the seasons change, it's coming. Don't you ever doubt that, ever. You will see greatness, believe, and you will see. So he's guaranteed two Lombardis in this decade. We're already two years into this decade, by the way. 2000, 2021, next year will be 2022. If they tank, they're basically saying, Carson, nice shot, you suck, you're out. We're doing the same thing to you the Eagles did. Uh, we're replacing you in or, season. Or Sit Joey. down. Uh, and then you're going to have to find – you're going to win uh, two championships with Jacob Eason? Really? Is that what you're telling me? He's going to deliver two Lombardis in the next decade? There's no way they're replacing Carson Wentz. Now that they've done what they've done, Mr. 400 yards this past Monday night, Carson Wentz is guaranteed – 
to be the Colts. Unless, of course, there's an injury, which with Carson, you never know. You always have to give yourself that out with Carson on the injury. What I'm saying is, I'm not assuaged. If it's the sixth pick in the draft, which it is today, would be today, the the Colts are going to find a way. And they might shut – I'm not saying they're going to get rid of Carson Wentz. They might shut him down. They might use an injury excuse. Oh, he's too banged up. The ankles, the foot, you know, when it was the back here, something of that nature, shut him down, keep it at 70% and and keep that first round pick. Still get a high second round pick if you're the Eagles. So it's not the worst thing in the world, but they're going to find a way to keep that pick and then build around Carson Wentz to get those two Lombardi trophies. But by the way, you know, you thought gold standard was bad. Two Lombardi trophies. What do you say? Uh, these, these yeah, he's, I he's guess a, you got to think positive. He's a wild child. But oh, by the way, so let me get this straight, John. They replace Carson Wentz. They dream up an injury. And Carson goes, I'm with you guys. Hey, I'm not here. We experienced what happened injury. here last year. He lost his friggin' mind. I they think... pulled him when he should have been pulled. Now you're telling me they're going to pull him when he's actually playing better in Indianapolis, and he's going to go, okay, I'm good with that. No chance, no shot, no out. I I feel I can do this now that Carson is out of town. He could have played when he injured his back. Uh, the Eagles just wanted to shut him down. So, you know, he's, he, if, if he's explained the plan and say, you're our guy, he won't have, he, 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 he'll go along with the plan to make them a better team. Or the second part of that is um, if he's so poor that they change their mind and say, all right, we don't care. We're just going to go in a different direction. Again, it doesn't matter. Right. So, so give me give me a John McMullen evaluative status. Carson Wentz played this year. Oh, he's not been bad at all. No, he played. He was great. They're one and four. It's not on Carson Wentz. No, for the he fact was, that they're one that's and four. The, that's the best he's looked since probably the end of yeah. You know, that was like the 2018, 2019 Carson Wentz when he's playing well. I don't think he'll ever go back to the 2017 version. Um. But he played really well. He certainly, if Blankenship hits a field goal, game's over, they win. Um, wasn't his fault at all. He played very well. I just think the Colts aren't giving up a top 10 pick. They're just not going to do it. Okay. Um, I, according yeah. to their owner, they're winning two Lombardi. Remember way so they back. They need to do I'm, everything I'm, to keep that Lombardi momentum rolling and handed it over to Jacob Eason or who the hell is their backup quarterback now? It's escaping me. Former Packer back up to Rodgers. Why can't I? You oh, see Brett, Brett Hundley. Brett Hundley. Brett Hundley. Yeah. Brett Hundley's going to deliver the yeah. uh, Lombardi. No, in, I don't do it. I'm going to go way back on you, Jody. Remember when the Sixers blew the finals against the Bill Walton Trailblazers? Oh, and yeah. They came up with, we owe you one. That was Doc. How, how did that work out for them? They finally got it. 
years and they years did. later. They did. That's right. They got that Malone guy. Not never, ever. And they ne delivered. Never, ever promise fans championships. It doesn't end well. It's probably a, an overreach. Yes, we'll agree on that. All right, J-Mac. Uh, you'll be back here 22 hours from now. We got a game day Thursday. Game it's day only, Thursday. It's whatever, and it's going to be the only one this year on Birds 365. You ready for a game day Thursday? I'm, I'm ready. I'm going to be up. Then I'm going to take a nap after the show. Then I'm going to be up all day. We'll be up all day. We'll be uh, ready for you with Eagles, Birds 365, Eagles, and Tampa tomorrow. Game day. Be here with us. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.